and a special celebration on this feast of Blessed George, Metolitis, our renovator. I'd like to begin with a personal story. Barely a week after my priestly ordination, 1987, I found myself at St. Peter's Basilica concelebrating a mass at which Pope John Paul II beatified our blessed renovator. What was going through my heart then, I still remember the joy of beatification, the first Marian raised to the honors of the altar. As you know, subsequently we have martyrs and we have St. Stanislaus and then we have a couple more, another five martyrs to be in our community. So this was the first beatification. It was a joy in my heart, not only to be there, but to be newly ordained priest and to concelebrate Mass with St. John Paul II. So it was like a very special, special moment for me. And so I was very happy, and I shared that happiness with, with many, many of the Marians who were there at that time. But also, I had the grace of distributing Holy Communion. So I was distributing during that Mass, Holy Communion to, to others, bringing Christ, offering them Christ to them. I just couldn't keep my heart from kind of bursting, so I was smiling. The whole celebration was very joyful for me. And, and these were not just one day, but subsequently two more days of celebration, which I also participate in it. Now, why was there, why was I happy? Obviously, you probably know guest. First of all, it's our first Marian race to the honors of the altar. But secondly, um, I had a privilege of spending several weeks, almost a month, in doing research on Blessed George, especially visiting the places where he was, including Freiburg, the university where he taught. I did some research on the professors that were there and what type of courses they offered. And, and, and so I wanted to know a little bit more about him. So now, who is this Blessed George that we honor today? First of all, he was born in Lithuania in 1871. He was the youngest of all eight children. He lived on a farm, but at the age of 10, he was orphaned. So both his parents passed away. You know, the, the school, uh, the nearest school, which was actually Marian Monastery, Marian Parish School, was three miles away and he had to walk each day. And the winters, by the way, were quite cold at that time. And not only that time, but also today. He had to struggle walking. He did not know, he had a lot of pain in his legs. Eventually, he was diagnosed that he suffered from tuberculosis of the bones. So it was not something simple for him. And uh, so uh, he had to, towards the end, he had to quit school at times because he just couldn't walk. But eventually, um, he uh, completed his secondary education. Uh, and then uh, his uncle, who was a professor of antiquities, ancient languages, um, he uh, invited him to go and enroll at the seminary in Kielce at that time, still part of Russia, but it was, it was present-day Poland. So he enrolled there. He completed his studies, um, 
after two years, the Zara's government uh, discovered that you know they they were not teaching the right way. There were some some of the uh, uh, things which they were doing. They discovered some people were working in the underground, and and so they call, closed the seminary. Uh, so they moved the students to Warsaw. So he completed the seminary training in Warsaw as ordained priest. But he really couldn't work in a parish because of his, his, his physical limitations. So eventually he enrolled to, um, at the uh, Theological Academy uh, in St. Petersburg, Russia. He completed his master's there and then came back, uh, and once again, his health was not too good. As a matter of fact, he suffered a great deal, and it was only uh, the sisters who were also founded underground by this blessed Honorat Kuzminski, they took care of him, and they sort of kind of brought him back to some health. Uh, but during this time, he, um, he uh, uh, since he couldn't do pastoral work, he sought out uh, a treatment place in Germany at that time, and so he began to receive some treatment for his tuberculosis of the bones. But then being there, not too far from Fribourg, Switzerland, he became a student there. Um, he got his doctoral, stu doctoral degree uh, in 1902. Uh, but the university, the Freiburg in Switzerland, this Dominican university was very famous, was one of the probably best universities in Europe at that time. And their focus was both on, on the um, teaching of the social doctrine of the church, especially uh, initiated by Pope Leo XIII, and then um, the emphasis on the renewal of the church through Christ through the, through the teachings of Pope Pius, St. Pius X. Um, uh, he gained much from that experience, and he went back to, came back, returned to Warsaw, once again uh, with limitations of his health. However, he began to work on behalf of the poor workers' movement. At that time, communists were infiltrating, and he wanted to create a Christian workers' movement you know, to, um, to help people. Um, he uh, he be began to write much, co-publish, co-organize different type of movements. Um, being there, uh, he discovered that, that perhaps maybe the renewal could come through renewal of religious life. Of course, at that time, under the Tsarist government, you know, the, uh, from 1863, no one, could accept new candidates into communities. And we were literally left as a community with only one member by 1909. Everybody else passed away already. And so, um, so he wanted to renew the church, renew society, human society through priesthood and priestly, priestly religious community. And so he renovated us in 1909. Uh, in, by 1911, the only Marian who still lived passed away. And so he began to bring new people. He sought candidates in the underground. First of all, since you became a professor uh, at the Theological Academy in, in, in uh, St. Petersburg, 
he, he, some of the professors who were there were first ones who joined our community, uh, and uh, and then and then fearing that the uh, he could not continue to um, to form the community in Russia at the at the place which was at that time. Um, it was illegal, it was forbidden not only to join a community, but it was con considered to be subversive activity if you join a religious community underground. And that, that caused people to be exiled to Siberia, to hard labor camps, uh, even then. Now, the, uh, the, the, uh, what happened is that, fearing that it may cause them a discovery, so he moved the community to Freiburg in Switzerland and then to the United States in 1913 and he established the first house in Chicago. Okay, now let me say this, this is a little background, historical background on him, but who is he as a person? Who is he as a person? First of all, I would have to say that he was someone who suffered a great deal, suffered a great deal, and, and he had a very compassionate heart, especially for orphans during World War I, he made sure that when we establish a community in Warsaw, that you also would open up a house uh, for 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 children who did not have parents for orphans. So he opened an orphanage. He strove to provide, especially for them, basic necessities, needs. At that time, Warsaw was occupied by by Germans, the German forces, and so he used to go to the German officer and beg for food and clothing for the children. Uh, there's a story of one time where this officer said, was kind of yelling at him. He says, look, I've got a war to fight. This is World War I. I've got a war to fight. I, I don't care about your orphans. And, and uh, he, he really uh, gave him his peace of mind. And Blessed George was known to have said, okay, I received my portion of meal today meaning the, the high criticism, and he says, but I still need something for the children. And, and that officer changed his mind and did offer some food later on sent, so um, some blankets. Um, this type of person that he was who cared for those who were in need, cared for, for the poor, cared for those who were in any way underprivileged. But he also was a, someone who absolutely considered loving God and loving neighbor as one, loving God and neighbor as one. This, there's no extension. And for him, it was to love was to serve, to serve. Um, love in relationship to God meant wholehearted acceptance of him and his word, complete entrustment to his guidance, making God and his glory the center of his life and the axis of all his thoughts and feelings and desires. This is what he would say, God is the center of my life. But to, to love God meant to love the people, to love people, because that's the Christ body on earth, love the church. So for, for, for Blessed George, to love God meant to love and serve his people. It meant both material as well as spiritual. He addressed the needs of them as he saw them. So not only the orphans, but mistreated workers, you know, forming worker unions. For the unemployed, especially for those who are lacking skills, he was able to, to create and provide uh, technical schools, anything that would help them to set them in a, in, a, in a way for gainful employment. And, you know, for the spiritually poor and wounded, you know, impoverished by atheism 
immorality, apostasy. He established centers for spiritual intellectual formation. He was encouraging us to gather people around us. So he saw human family divided by ethnic antipathies, political parties, affiliations, ideologies, which kind of was breaking people apart at that time. As I mentioned, the communist movement was very strong. People were fighting, struggling. Uh, and he always would say, you know, we are to belong to the party of Christ. That's number one, that it is Christ who unites us. Doesn't matter what the ideological differences might be, but it is Christ who unites us. He's the one who draws close to, our, to, to himself and close to each other. And we're supposed to take care of one another. You know, this particular theme of Blessed George is so important for us today as well. You know, we also are so divided and, and, and because we don't see Christ, we see just the divisions, we see the antagonism, we see things which, which separate us and, and, and here we have to go beyond embracing God, embracing the gospel, embracing his will for us, embracing the sacraments will help us to become united, to let go of things which seem to so, so terribly divide us. Now, he also saw the ordinary Christians as powerful instrument of God's in God's hands to proclaim the message of the gospel. He was the one who emphasized lay people, laity. The role of laity is to realize that along with priests and religious, they are to be the ones who are bearers of Christ's gospel to one another. That, that, that we are to be together. When we together, when we work together, we're powerful. And this is why we established the Association of Marian Helpers. This is why we established confraternity, because we wanted to have lay people work with us, along with us, to help us in the ministry, in this mission, the mission of prom promotion of the gospel, and to live out the commitment of the commitment to, to being men and women of God, no matter where we are. And so he, says, he said to us, gather people around yourself, because you as priests may not be able to go to a factory you may not be able to work. You as priests, you may not be able to, to, to gather for in political associations. You're not able to do so, but the laity who knows and understands their role as being truly the bearers of God's law of mercy, the bearer of God's gospel, they're able to incorporate into their lives and to do so much because they can bear, bear be the bearers of, of, of God's truth, of grace, of love, justice, and mercy, uh, because it is something that the Lord, who has been crucified, died for us. He is the one who, 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 um, who will give us everything that we need. He will uh, um, enrich us with his treasures, which we are to share, which we are to share with others. During the, um, during the canonization, beatification, I still remember John Paul's emphasizing several things about him as a priest, as a bishop, as religious. He spoke of him, he was a shepherd full of courage and initiative, full of courage and initiative. You know, he wanted to do things, you know, whether orphanages or Christian labor movement or centers of Christian formation or renewal of religious life. He continually chose to, to be a shepherd who was filled with initiative because his only concern was the salvation of souls that the, that the, the Father entrusted 
to him as a shepherd, uh, uh, Father entrusted to him in a, in a, in a person of, of Jesus. Now another thing that John Paul emphasized was his zeal, his zeal. The in heroic, this zeal was, was to a heroic degree. And so he strove to be everything to everyone. He was deeply conscious of his pastoral mission. He was aware of true apostle, to be apostle of unity, to unite people, dedicated without reserve to the preaching of the gospel, but he was full of zeal. And zeal was one of the things that he would encourage us as religious, as Marians, to have. Be zealous. Don't just be just like everybody else, but really be zealous. And when you when you invite the lay people, make them sure, make sure that they're also zealous too. The zealous in a sense of zealous of being like Saint Paul, the zealousness of, of being an apostle, being being someone who's filled with that zeal. And then he also spoke of of the of the gratitude, the gratitude that he expresses, the beautiful prayers that that the Lord um, has inspired him to write. You know, he wrote this journal, he wrote this uh, diary of both the early, when he became, when he began to renovate us and subsequently as a bishop. And there's always this, this zeal, this gratitude in him. And you know, there's a very brief prayer, which is so powerful. He says, Lord, you have granted me so many graces what shall I give you in return? What shall I offer to you? How shall I pay you? All that is, all that I have is yours. With your grace, I am rich and I offer everything to you. This type of gratitude. But he was also a man of, of peace. There's a peacefulness about him, you know, trying to bring peace to, to, uh, to the place wherever he was. You know, he was like a, uh, in a letter in 1913, he wrote to us, he says, the, uh, this world is not paradise. People are not angels, but you can help them. You can help to bring them together. Offer the Christ, the peace that Christ has offered to us, the peace that the world will not understand, the peace that we pray each, during each <coughs> mass that we celebrate. You know, peace I give to you. My peace is something that I wish that you have, and that peace of Christ that knows no understanding. And so he says, wherever you go, whatever you do, make every effort, my brothers, to keep peace in your heart, the true peace of Christ, which the world cannot give, which it does not even understand. We must, we must pray that God would give us more peace. Of course, we cannot change other people, but we must learn to see and not to see, to hear, and not to hear. That we don't see each other's weaknesses, that we don't hear each other's sometimes poor comments or bad comments. That we, that we have to just hear and not hear. We must learn not to feel injuries and malice so deeply, nor to trouble ourselves over it. You can achieve this peace by uniting yourself with the sacred heart of Jesus and giving him all the hurts of your heart. Another aspect which I wish to underscore is the is his his desire to make sure that that uh, we are men and women of prayer. And there it is in our is, is a man of, of 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 faith. 
And he says to us, there's my motto, and this is he writes in that spiritual diary, to seek God in all things, to do all things for the greater glory of God, to bring the spirit of God into all things and fill them with it. May God in his glory be the center of my life, the axis of all my thoughts, feelings, desires, and works. And he says, I entrust myself fully and completely to your guidance, the guidance of, of, of God's providence. Heavenly Father, do with me as you will. If it pleases you, O Lord, to lead me along the wondrous ways, behold your servant. Send me where you will. Like a child, I hasten to your embrace. Carry me. If it pleases you to lead me along the road beset by adversity, obstacles, and difficulties, I thank you very much. I think that as I travel this road, I will not lose my way because it is the road taken by my Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Grant to me, O Lord, that as I renounce myself more and more, I may love you more and more. Give me strength and courage never to bow or yield to any difficulties or obstacles in the way of the exaltation of your name or the progress of the church, but that I be imbued with your spirit, that I would strive to bring it everywhere. And he continues, it is our duty to go where we can gain more for God, where we can save the most souls. That is where atheism, tepidity, immorality, and ap apostasy abound. We need to penetrate wherever, wherever something can be gained for Christ and the church. If one door is closed, let us break in another so that light may enter in. And then finally, the two other paragraphs which I'd like to read is his love for the church. O holy church of God, true kingdom of Christ on earth, my dearest beloved, if I should forget you, let my right hand be forgotten. Let my tongue cleave to my plate, palate. If I should not remember you, if I should not deem you, my dearest mother above all my joy, may this exclamation be the incessant cry of my heart. If I may ask, grant, O Lord, that in your church I may be like a common dust cloth when worn out is tossed into a dark corner somewhere. May I be used, may, may I be used and worn out in the same way as long as some tiny corner in your church is cleansed, as long as your house is a little tighter and brighter. Grant that I may be despised, spent, and worn out if only your glory grow and spread, if only I may thus share in the church of your church, the growth of your church, God, and I may be able to work and suffer for you, your holy church and his visible head, the Holy Father. Incredible words, very touching words. They speak to our hearts, how we can work for the church, for its unity that we may work for the church. There's so many who criticize the church in every way. We know that it's still the body of Christ. Yes, there are many broken people. Members of the church are not saints. They are, they are invited to be saints, but they're not. So there's lots of, lots of uh, brokenness, but yet we're invited to love the church. And then finally, grant, O Lord, the grace to be dominated by that one great thought to sustain the church's works, trials and tribulations, to hope for nothing in this world, to seek or expect no personal gain, except our life be consecrated to God and the church 
to be consumed in the works and tribulations of a church, fearing no obstacles created by the world and its powers, and which does not become, uh, which does not become faint-hearted, but life, but a life that leads us boldly into action in the battle for the church, wherever necessity urges most, that is, wherever the civil authority persecutes the church, where just life, societies, and ecclesiastical institutions are hampered, but we fear only one thing, to die without having suffered or toiled or gained anything for the church, the salvation of souls and God's greater glory. May this day, a special day for us, may be a day of inspiration to love the Lord more, to serve the Lord through each other, to gain all the graces that the Lord has prepared for us, not only for ourselves, but to share them with others, so that one day in communion with Our Lady, in the presence of the Holy Trinity, may we, may we enjoy the fullness of life in the kingdom of God, in that paradise of joy. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.